0: Good morning how's everyone doing good 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 uh it's good to be good to be back uh, after uh, being out the month of July and having some guest speakers i I try to take the month of July to really focus on praying for vision and direction for the following year for uh so that's what I was doing uh in in July and uh it's good to be back though. It's good to be back up here and and, and jumping back into the, the swing of things. And today we are jumping into a brand new series called Least Last Lowest. And Least Last Lowest is a um it's a series all about service, all about servanthood. Um in in the Bible, there are over twelve hundred references to service, serving, or servanthood. Twelve hundred. I think the Bible has some things to say about serving and the role it should play in the life of a Christ follower. Um, today, the title of my message is Called to Serve, and, and over the course of this series, we're going to learn about what it means to, to serve and what it could look like in our lives when we embrace this least, last, lowest mindset. Um, and today we're gonna. Before we jump into the scriptures, though, I have a story I want to. I want to read to you. Um, this story. Uh, it's a true story. Uh, it's not a personal one or or one that I knew anyone. Like I read this story and I was like, wow, I got to share this. So, um, it's about a man named Sam Rayburn. If you don't know who Sam Rayburn was, he's the Speaker of the House of, of uh, Speaker of the House of Representatives uh, for the longest amount of time any person ever has been, uh, and. Um, there's a story about him that reveals the kind of man that he really was. Here's that story. The teenage daughter of a friend of Sam Rayburn's died suddenly one night. Early the next morning, the father of this, this girl who passed, the father heard a knock on his door, and when he opened it, there was Mr. Rayburn standing outside. The speaker said, I came by just, just to see what I could do to help The father replied in his deep grief, I don't think there's anything you can do, Mr. Speaker. We are making all the arrangements. Well, Mr. Rayburn said, have you had your coffee this morning? The man replied that they had not even taken time for breakfast. So Mr. Rayburn said that he could at least make coffee for them. While he was working in the kitchen, the man came in and said, Mr. Speaker, I thought you were supposed to be having breakfast at the White House this morning. Well, I was, Mr. Rayburn said, but I called the president and told him I had a friend who was in trouble and I couldn't come. From this story, it appears to me that Sam Rayburn understands fully what the idea of of being the least means, being the last, being the lowest. He understands fully what that means. He understands what serving is truly about. Have you ever known somebody or met someone or seen someone like Sam Rayburn and wondered, where does that come from? That that ability to just serve, like almost like a machine, like where does that come from? When when I was a young uh, Christian, I used to think, man, God just blesses people to serve really well. Like that, it, they're just special people. I used to look at people like Sam Rayburn and, and, and think like, man, I could never do that. Like he turned down the president to serve? Like, Oh, I could never do that, and I think I think for many Christians the idea of serving is intimidating. I think for many Christians the idea of serving is really daunting. It's it's. Um It's like, how on earth can I carve out time to serve someone else when I have so many other things going on in my own life? I've got this practice, and I've got that meeting, and I've got this trip coming up, and I've got this family situation that I've been dealing with for a long time, and it's just a lot. I don't have time for anything else. We have so much going on and we perceive the idea of serving as this humongous time commitment that we just can't squeeze into our already busy schedules. Or maybe the issue is that you just, you see your time as like really, really valuable and you, you, you have a very specific idea of how you want to spend your time. I work so hard to keep a roof over my head and put food on the table and pay all my bills and I don't want to spend my free time working too. I, I don't, I I deserve to spend my free time how I want to spend it. I've been there. Or maybe, possibly, you just flat out don't want to serve. I've been there too. You, you don't want to invest the extra time. You don't want to give the extra effort because it's just easier. It's just easier. There are so many reasons we can come up with not to serve, but We are servants. If you didn't know, we are servants. We're called to serve. As Christ followers, it is in our DNA to serve. It's in our DNA. Throughout this series, we're going to explore what it can look like for us to live a life of servanthood. And today, I want to look at what the scriptures have to say about this, about serving. But before I dive into the scriptures, would you pray with me this morning? Let's pray. God, thank you for this day, thank you for uh, the ability to come and worship you, thank you um, for your word, and that we get to hear it today, and we get to apply it to our lives. Change us from the inside out, Father. Holy Spirit, have your way, we love you, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. We're going to jump around a little bit today um, uh, in some some verses, but... um, Uh, They'll be up on the screen, but we're going to start in Luke chapter 9 if you want to turn there. Um, I said a few minutes ago that there's over um, there's over 1,200 references to serving or service or servanthood in Scripture. Over 1,200. And today we're going to look at a few of those references. Uh, Luke chapter nine, verse forty-eight. This is the words of Jesus. He says, "Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me also welcomes my Father who sent me. Whoever is the least among you is the greatest." Now, Luke 9 is loaded, and there's so much going on. Uh, um, There's so much going on here, but there's a couple things I want to point out. Before this verse that I just read earlier, in just this chapter, Jesus fed 5,000 people with, uh, you know, what is it, two loaves and five fish or five loaves and two? I can't, I always get them mixed up. Sorry, I should know that, right? Uh, But he fed 5,000 miraculously. He was serving. And and after that, he healed a demon-possessed boy, serving. And then he makes this statement. Whoever is the least among you is the greatest. It's just one Bible verse, right? That doesn't really prove anything, right? Let's look at another one. Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus, again, he says, it says this. He sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him and said, Whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Up to this point in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus casts out evil spirits. Jesus uh, heals a paralyzed man. He's serving. He heals a woman with an issue of constant bleeding. He's serving. He heals a deaf man. He's serving. He heals a blind man. He's serving. And then he makes this statement. Whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Once is a happening. Twice is a coincidence. Let's see if we can make it three times where we see this idea of serving. Matthew chapter 23, verse 12. Whoever makes himself high will be made low, and whoever makes himself low will be made high. The few chapters before this, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples about serving, and he continues serving people by healing, he continues serving people by meeting the needs of the community. And this verse is a part of a conversation that Jesus is having with the religious leaders of the day. These religious leaders think they're hot stuff. like They think they're a pretty big deal. And they, they, they're, they're really high in their own minds. And Jesus is saying, if you make yourself high, God's going to make you low. But if you make yourself low, God will exalt you. If you make yourself the lowest, you put yourself underneath everybody else, God will exalt you. And then this one, this is the the verse that we're probably going to focus on through the whole series. Mark chapter 10, verse 43 through 45. This is, again, the words of Jesus. He says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Here's another instance of Jesus teaching about serving. It's another instance where Jesus is, is, is making the case to become servants to his followers. Now, really quickly, in society, this word slave evokes a lot of negative emotion, especially like nowadays. There's a lot of negative emotion attached to that word. Uh, and probably uh, when we hear that word, some ideas of like slavery that we've seen in movie, movies come up. Um, but I wanna say that's not what the Bible means when it talks about slavery. That's not what the Bible means. Now, to be very clear, first of all, the Bible does not support or condone slavery, right? In, in the New Testament, all throughout the New Testament, Paul urges people like to basically abolish slavery. He, he makes a case in Romans. He says, there's no more rich, there's no more poor, there's no more Jew, there's no more Gentile, there's no more master, there's no more slave. We're all equal in the eyes of God, right? He makes that case, and even in the book of Jude, um, the, the person he's writing in uh, in that book, is his name is Jude. Go figure, right? Paul is imploring Jude, hey, he goes, I, you could go read this for yourself. He says, I have the authority to tell you to let, let your slaves go, but I'm not going to make you do anything. I'm just going to appeal to you. Consider letting your slaves go. And he goes on, why, right? So, so the Bible does not condone or support slavery, right? Masters and servants should mutually submit to each other, is the point, or is the, the, the emphasis that Paul makes. The Bible does not prescribe slavery. So that's first. Secondly, in the Old Testament, when it talks about slavery, it's not talking about slavery the way we envision it, right? The people in chains and being whipped and that kind of thing. Slavery is actually more like indentured servitude. Indentured servitude. To give you an idea of what I mean, I have a picture I want to show you you can't see that very well, that's Jeffrey Butler. Um, if you don't know who Jeffrey Butler is, Jeffrey Butler is a character on the TV show The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And um, in this show, it's ironic, his his name is Butler. He is the butler for the Banks family. He, he cleans the house, he cooks all the meals, he does all the grocery shopping, he... Um, he, he drives the family around. All, he even lives in the house with the family. He does everything for the family to make sure the house is, is in order and all that stuff. Uh, now, he's not part of the family, but he's, he's lived in such close proximity, and he's with them all the time that he's like family to them. Now, Jeffrey's not trapped in, this, in the house. He's not trapped in the role. He could leave anytime he wanted to but it is very financially beneficial for Jeffrey to do what he's doing. This is the idea of slavery that the Bible is talking about. When the Bible says slavery, this is what it's talking about. That, um, uh, indentured servitude in scripture is motivated by a desire to find a way to help the poor. So to give you an example, if I, uh, if I owed Steve a debt and I couldn't pay it back, I would go to see Steve and say, hey, Steve, can I work off this debt? Can I work it off? And he would say, yeah, come come live in my house and come do my yard work for me. You know, whatever. Like, that's indentured servant. But I would, be, I would be his employee, basically. I'm not his property, right? So, so I'm just trying to create a picture of what, what the Bible means when it talks about slavery, right? So anyways, now we have that picture. When Jesus says, be slave of all, he's not saying become the indentured servant of everybody. He's not saying that. The word slave in the original language of the Bible is doulos. Say that with me. Say doulos. Oh, Anchor Church, come on. Say it like you mean it. Say doulos. That's better. That's, we'll, we'll get there, guys. We'll get there. Doulos. And it has a couple of meanings. It does mean bondservant. It does mean um, indentured servant. But it, it, it's also used as a metaphor. It's, it's used as a metaphor. And, and this, is, this is the definition. If you, if you got it, put it up there. Yeah, doulos. Those whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause among men. Those whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause among men. So when Jesus says be the slave of all, he's saying serve people so well that it advances my kingdom on earth. Jesus isn't saying go live with somebody and and do all their chores. He's saying serve people so well that it advances my cause among all people. Serve people in such a way that they see me. And then in Mark 10.45, he says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus himself was not above serving. Jesus himself came to serve. And as his followers, right, as little Christs, that's what Christian means, right, little little Christs, we're supposed to do what Jesus does. We're supposed to live the way Jesus lived, and if Jesus came to serve, we're not greater than him. If Jesus came to serve, we should be serving. We are servants. My former lead pastor says this a lot, um, and, and I think it's really true. Uh, it's a it's really catchy saying, but I, I think it's really true. He says, if you're too big to serve, then you're too small to lead. As Christ followers, we're supposed to lead the way, right, to redemption. We're supposed to lead the way to God. And if we're not willing to serve, then we're not going to be able to lead anybody. It is our DNA to serve. As, Christ, uh, as followers of Christ, we're called to serve and we're called to a life of servanthood. But servanthood isn't just about behaviors. It's not just about actions. It's about an attitude. It's about a mindset. It's about the way we, we view life, right? Servanthood begins with a heart posture. Because if you do the action of serving but your heart isn't right, then you're not really serving like Jesus served. If you're doing the actions of serving, but your heart isn't in it, you're, you're not really serving the way Jesus served. There are three characteristics of a Christ-following servant that I want to talk about today. The first characteristic is this: Servants are humble. Servants are humble. Philippians chapter two, verse three and four say this: "Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interests of the others. This is what being least is about. This is what being last is about. This is what being lowest is about. Considering others above yourself. Considering others' interests more than your own. Christ-following servants are Humble. Now, to be very clear, humility isn't devaluing yourself. Humility is not devaluing yourself. Oh, I'm just I'm nobody. You know. Oh, I, do, I don't matter. Everyone else matters and I don't matter. That's not humility. I would actually say that's great pride. Pastor Ryan, how's that pride to say that I'm nothing, that I don't matter? How's that pride? Well, one of the ways I think we can define pride is is when when we think we know better than God, and God says that you are somebody, God says you have worth, God says that you matter. So to say that you don't matter and you're nothing is to directly oppose what God says about you, which is prideful. To say that you're nothing to devalue yourself is to, to, is, is very prideful, it's to live in pride. So humility isn't devaluing yourself. So what is humility if it's not devaluing yourself? Humility is understanding who you are in relation to everyone else and in relation to God. Humility is understanding who you are in relation to everyone else and in relation to God. Understanding that we're all on the same footing in the eyes of God. No one's better, no one's worse, and he is greater than us all, right? That's that's the beginning of humility. And then acting accordingly. Valuing others above yourself doesn't mean devaluing yourself. Humility means we think of ourselves last. It means we don't, it's not saying don't think of yourself. It's just don't think of yourselves first. Think of yourselves last. Think of everybody else. Put put others' needs above your own. Uh, When I was 19 years old, um, I had a friend named Phil. Phil. And Phil and I were in Master's Commission together, and uh, Phil was one of these humble servants. Um, When everyone else was, like, clamoring to be on stage and perform in front of people, Phil was, like, really happy being behind the scenes and serving where no one could see him serve. Um, When everyone else kind of was craving praise and, like, you know, affirmation of, like, oh, you did such a great job, that kind of thing, Phil just put his head down and he worked harder. Um, Phil was this this kind of person and I remember uh, for the two years two years that we were in master's commission together I didn't have a car and Phil did and I can remember that every time I needed a ride and I would ask Phil every time it didn't matter what he was doing it didn't matter where I was going how far it didn't matter he would look at me cheerfully be like yeah I'll give you a ride sure and he I mean it was Incredible, thinking back on it, like, two years, he was basically my chauffeur. He never asked for gas money. He never asked me for anything in return. And he gladly helped me every chance he got. That is serving with humility, in my opinion. Putting others above yourself. So the first characteristic of a Christ-following servant that we, that we just talked about, is that servants are humble. The second characteristic of a Christ-following servant is this. Servants are grateful. Servants are grateful. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says this, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful in all circumstances. All. Be thankful in each circumstance. Be thankful in every circumstance. Be thankful in any circumstance. Be thankful in all circumstances. Be, be thankful in the whole circumstance. Be thankful for everyone. Be thankful for everything. Be thankful that you get to be a servant of the living God. You might hear this and be like, why should I be thankful for that? Why should I be thankful that I, for serving? Like, What's that? What? Gratefulness is, is a perspective. It's about perspective. If your perspective is, I'm me serving is just doing someone else's grunt work, then yeah, you're probably not going to be very grateful. But if, if, if you view serving as, man, I get to partner with God to advance his kingdom, gratefulness overflows from that. Gratefulness overflows from that. And, and we understand, because, because we understand that we've been adopted into the family of God and we get to join the family business. Servants are grateful. I talk about Master's Commission a lot. I'm going to talk about it again. When I was in Master's Commission, I really had an opportunity to learn this, this gratefulness through servanthood principle that I'm talking about. Um, in April 2005, uh, we had a gathering of pastors at our church. And these are pastors from all over the state of Nebraska. And um, they, they drove from anywhere from, you know, across, across town to like seven hours away, right? Like all over the state came to our church. And um, it was like this, this few-day conference that was going on. And I remember the very first night of the conference, it was pouring rain, like pouring rain, right? It, like, looked, like, it looked like God was just dumping water on, on our church, right? It was pouring. And the closest parking space in the parking lot The closest parking space to the the entrance was like 25 yards away. So these pastors and spouses, as they pulled up, they were going to get soaked had they got out and, you know, made their way whatever. And so I had master's commission classmates that were stationed at the entrance to open the door and greet people, that kind of thing. Well, they saw, you know, how bad it was raining. It wasn't going to let up. And so they took it upon themselves, these classmates of mine, they took it upon themselves to go get umbrellas. And they would run out to each car with umbrellas and they would, walk these couples in. Now think about, right? One umbrella per person, they would walk under the umbrella to the car, and then once the couple got out, so they're in the rain now, they're getting soaked while these pastors are, you know, they're being kept from the rain, right? And these classmates of mine are doing it with a smile on their face. And they actually are having so much fun doing it that they're like turn it into a little game and they made it a little competition to see who could help the most people. And um It didn't seem like that big a deal in the moment, but there are pastors in Nebraska to this day that were a part of that that still talk about that day. 18 years ago, they still talk about it. They still talk about how impactful that was to see young people serving cheerfully with gratitude. Christ-following servants serve with gratitude. Former President of the United States, uh, John F. Kennedy, once said this, As we express our gratitude, we must never forget that the highest appreciation is not to utter words, but to live by them. As we express our gratitude, we must never forget that the highest appreciation is not to utter words, but to live by them. And I think this is what serving is. I believe serving is the highest form of gratitude that we can show God for all that he's done for us. Serving is the highest form of gratitude that we can show to God for all that he's done to us. I'll say it one more time. Serving is the highest form of gratitude that we can show to God for all that he's done to us. All that he's done for us. Servants are grateful. So the first characteristic of a Christ-following servant is... Servants are humble. The second characteristic of a Christ-following servant is servants are grateful. The third and final characteristic I want to talk about today is this. Servants are inexhaustible. Servants are inexhaustible. Galatians 6.9 says this. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Inexhaustible might sound like really extreme. It might sound really big. Big. But I'm not talking about like physical inexhaustibility. I'm not talking about never getting tired. I'm not talking about never needing a break. That's not what I'm talking about. Inexhaustibility, the, the, the kind that I'm talking about is an attitude. It's a mindset that never gets, gives up. It's, a, it's a, a heart posture that remembers the big picture that we're, we're here for God's glory and we're trying to win as many people to him as possible. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. This is about having the big picture in mind. That's why there's no such thing as a small task. There's no such thing as a meaningless task. There's no such thing as an unimportant task. Um, At my previous church in Nebraska, there was a a couple that Robin and I um, really loved. They were um, awesome people. Their names are Rodney and Debbie and um, they were older. I think they're old enough to maybe be our grandparents, maybe? Maybe? I don't know. Parents? Man, I I really just dishonored them. Sorry if you guys are watching. Um, <laughs> uh, Rodney and Debbie, they're awesome. They're awesome, um, and they're farmers, and they're, um, I mean, they're just small-town people. They're great people, um, and Rodney and Debbie are also very committed to what God is doing in Lincoln, Nebraska through their, the church that we attended. And um, now they're both really uh, reserved people, and, and they keep to themselves, but they understand that they have a role to play in advancing God's kingdom. They understand that they have a role to play in advancing God's kingdom, and, and they're able to help advance God's kingdom. They're able to play that role. They're able to help serve that mission by flipping the auditorium. Now, if you don't know what flipping the auditorium is, this is, this is what that means. This church has three services every weekend. After every single service, Rodney and Debbie would go through the 1,200-seat auditorium, and they would straighten every single chair by hand. They would restock every single pen. They would restock all the tithe envelopes by themselves. Didn't, I mean, every single weekend, nobody knew that they were doing it except a select few staff members. They didn't ask for compensation. They didn't ask to be reimbursed for anything. They didn't ask for any hand claps or, you know, anything like that. At a boys, you know, at a girl, they, nothing like that. They did it faithfully. They do it. They continue to do it faithfully because they understand that they're not just restocking pens and tithe envelopes and, and straightening chairs. They're advancing the kingdom of God the way that they can. They're helping advance the kingdom of God. They're, create, they're helping create an atmosphere where the gospel can be presented. And they've been serving like this for many, many years without wavering, without needing com- compensation, without needing anything. I'm not saying they've never taken breaks, they have. I'm not saying they've never taken an extended time away, they have. But they've always come back to serving the Lord because they understand they have a role to play in advancing his kingdom. No matter how small we think it is, it's important. It's a a role to play. Christ-following servants are inexhaustible. But it's not like Rodney and Debbie Or anyone else does it on their own, right? It's not like my master's commission classmates just did that, right? It's not like this guy Phil that I told you about just did it. It's not like Sam Rayburn was just able to do it, right? This inexhaustible uh, mindset. It's, It's not natural. It's supernatural. It comes from the Lord. Isaiah 46 verse 4 says, Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. You don't have to carry yourself. You don't have to sustain yourself. You don't have to wind yourself up every day to do the work of the Lord. He sustains you. He is the one who provides the the energy, the will to keep going. He's the one, even to your old age, He's the one who replenishes you. You're feeling tired? Turn to the power source who can recharge you. You're feeling weary? Lean on the creator who can re-energize you. You've forgotten what you're working for? Allow God to remind you of the plans that he has. And when we're doing that, we can be the Christ-following servants who are inexhaustible, who are un- unwavering, who are persistent, relentless, in doing what God has commi- commissioned each one of us to do. Worship team, you can come back to the platform. Christ-following servants are humble. Christ-following servants are grateful. Christ-following servants are inexhaustible. Imagine for a moment walking in the calling to be a servant like Jesus. True worship is is living the purpose God created you to live. True, true worship is living the purpose God created you to live. And according to Genesis 1, God created us to be his image on earth. God created us to be like him, to represent him to the world. And again, what did we say earlier? Jesus came to serve. So if we're going to be his representatives, we have to understand this idea of serving, service, servanthood. Putting others' needs above our own. Valuing others more than we value ourselves. And when we serve, we aren't just working, we're worshiping the Lord. What if your gratefulness to the Lord could, could, could really like manifest itself in service to Him? What if truly, uh, truly exp- uh, you could truly express your gratitude without using words, but instead by serving others? Then every chance to serve wouldn't be an occasion to do work or to sacrifice or to do manual labor, right? Every opportunity to serve would be an opportunity to say thank you. What if we started seeing serving and service and servanthood that way? It's not an an occasion to work. It's an opportunity to say thank you to God for all he's done to us. What if? What if? Imagine the Lord sustaining you from his endless power so you don't have to sustain yourself. You don't have to try to muster up this, this power on your own to, to, to make it through. You allow the Lord to sustain you. In hard times and easy times, when you have a ton going on, you don't have to worry about, you don't have to worry about where you're going to get the energy from or, or the will to keep going. Because God will sustain you. Christ came not to be served but to serve as his followers. Let's imitate him the best we can. Let's imitate Jesus the best we can. Um, Let me pray for you this morning. God, we thank you um, for this day. And we thank you, God, that um, you've given us the high calling of serving. It is, the, it is the highest calling, in my opinion, to serve. I pray, God, that today as we, as we um, meditate on this word, as we um, allow your spirit to speak to us today, that, that we, we would understand more and more what it means, what it truly means to serve like you. Teach us what it means, God. I know what serving means to the world. I want us to understand what it means to you. Father, we we love you. We thank you. We give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What I want to do right now is I want to, I just want to take a few moments to respond. To respond to what the holy spirit's doing uh, in our hearts and i want to encourage you to respond the way you need to respond whether that's singing the song that the worship team's going to lead us in or whether it's praying or whether it's just sitting and and meditating whether it's pulling out your bible and reading the scriptures over like however you need to respond today don't rush through this moment. Don't, don't blow past this and, and to get to the next thing. Let's be fully present right here, right now, and allow the Holy Spirit to do the work that only he can do. So if you'd like to stand with me, you can. Um, if, you, if you need to sit, you can. Um, but however you need to respond, let's do that right now. Worship team, lead us. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you've brought us into the family and that you've commissioned each one of us to advance your cause among, among men, among women, among children. God, thank you. God, I ask that you would speak to each and every one of us today. Speak to each and every one of us this week and going forward. That you would teach us what it means. To have the heart of a servant, to have the attitude of a servant, to have the the mindset of of a Christ-following servant. Again, I I, I know I know what the world means when it talks about serving, but I want to know what you mean. I want to live your purposes through of of serving. Thank you, God. Before we go today, I have a few uh, next steps to, to challenge you with for this coming up week. And these next steps are just tangible things that we can do to take the message and apply them to our life this week. Um, so I have three of them. The, the first one is this. This week, I will memorize Mark 10:44. Whoever of you should wish to be the first, he shall be the servant of all. Whoever of you should wish to be the first, he shall be the servant of all. The second one is is this week, I will ask the Holy Spirit to help me to begin living the call to be a servant. And then finally this week, I'll invite someone to join me at Anchor. Um, I also wanted to add, like I think there's some really easy next steps that we could do right now. There's an opportunity to help with the backpack giveaway that we're we're looking for signups for. Um, There's... An opportunity to help with the third Thursday event. There's uh, there's so many opportunities that present themselves to consider others above ourselves. I want to challenge you today. Find a way for you to value someone above yourself and consider others' needs above your own. So, uh, let me say one last uh, prayer and a benediction, and we can be dismissed. God, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Help us. Help me, God. I need you. I need you. We need you, God. Draw us near to you, God. We love you. And finally, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Amen and amen. Thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks for worshiping with us today. I hope you have a great week. We will see you next Sunday.